found your way to the 203rd episode of Rank and Review, and this is the second part of my Hellraiser examination. Rank and Review champion, Mr. Lee Beckman, or as he likes to be called, The Beckman, is going to help me discuss the last five entries of the motion picture Hellraiser franchise, at least as of this date, in 2022. We're going to look at Hellraiser 5 through 10, and then we're going to rank all 10 Hellraiser movies. That is the goal that we are setting for ourselves this episode, and I do hope you enjoy it. If you have feedback, you can send that feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website is rankandreview.ca because I'm up here in Canada. And if you want to check out some other podcasts, I would highly recommend the Terror Table Podcast and the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. But, for the time being, you're here to hear about Hellraiser. You're here for Rank and Review and Hellraiser. And I am no longer going to stand in your way. Oh, also spoilers and swears. Seeker. Yo. The sixth Hellraiser, so we've passed the halfway point. Yep. Yeah, um it this one is directed by Rick Bota and it it's stars Rick Bota. Bota, is that right? Bota. Um at least that's how I imagine it. maybe I'm sort of imagining a South African director, but right. Bota. It stars Dean Winters. I'm a fan of his because of the TV show Oz. Yep. 
He's one of the few characters who was like through made it basically through the entire series, more or less. He usually shows up now as sort of like the the, the lawyer for the main bad guy or criminal. Yeah, somewhere. he's in John Wick. He was in, yep. like he just shows up here and there. Yep. Uh, he was memorably one of the scummiest boyfriends in the TV show Thirty Rock. Right. Tina Fey dates him for a while. He's a dude like who's obsessed with rats and beepers and whatnot. Anyway, yeah. I always liked that actor, and yeah. I think it was a help for the movie that they have him. This yeah. is I also think they had a missed opportunity. Yeah. I think they shouldn't have called this movie Hellraiser Hellseeker. I think it should have been Hellraiser Horny for Dean. Horny for Dean. <laughs> because that's all that this actor does. There's a, there's a lot of uh, women that seem to want to have sex with him in this movie. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's just it's just seeing it's, I think it starts about the quarter mark and then it goes just past the halfway yeah. where it's almost scene after scene after scene women continuously just with, like, without even thought throw themselves at them it's it's first it's a little funny then it's really annoying it's just bizarre but it will be justified because once again much like the previous entry inferno yeah. we're going to be asking ourselves how much of this is real and how much of this is not yeah we're investigating the se- uh the series of events that led up to a car accident where his wife has died and interestingly uh his wife is kirsty yep same actress has come back ashley lawrence is playing yep. the role and um, uh, he made it out of the car. She didn't. She's presumed dead. All of these terrible things are happening. All of these terrible visions are happening. It has, yep. really has something to do with that. Yep. Um, there's lots of things that this sort of rings bells of or sort of echoes, maybe even pays homage to. Uh, because I recently watched it for the 60s, I thought a little bit of Carnival of Souls. Yep. Because of, uh, you know what we just watched in the previous episode once again i got big jacob's ladder vibes yep and i think the two big problems with this installment are the fact that it, i think it might be a little bit too similar yes to the one that we just saw as yep. far as the story being told and the trajectory of our yep. character uh he's not a cop in this one he's just like this shady businessman but he's up to no good yeah we keep seeing a uh, reason again and again for him to be judged harshly you know yep. Uh, so that's one strike against it. The other strike is, once again, uh, they have taken a screenplay for a different horror movie yeah. and made it into a Hellraiser movie. And as much as I like Ashley Lawrence as an actress and as much as I like that character, yeah. I think in order to fit her into the movie, mm-hmm. they may have compromised her character more than I'm comfortable with as a fan. Okay. I kind of like her as an innocent, pure kind of... Yeah, she's definitely innocent. ...protagonist character. Yeah. And there is a reversal. Spoilers. We talk spoilers here that happens in this movie where we find out that, I guess, to a point, she's made a deal with the Cenobites, which is tantamount to saying she's in league with them. Yeah, which once I think, again, she... Yeah. If you're in league with the Cenobites, you are a villain. You have officially crossed that line. And she does get her hands bloody. It's not just the Cenobites who commit murder in this, this story. Yeah. So those are the two big problems I have with it. But I have to say, overall, largely, I found it easy to watch. I think a lot of it has to do with the lead performance, because like I say, I like that actor. Yeah. Um, I know where I am. It's familiar, but it's not boring. It doesn't have a lot of sag to it. Yeah. There's it's, some bad CGI, though. 
of its time. Yeah. Like, again, I'm, I try to be forgiving of yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. considering it's, when it yeah, comes out. It's also it, a straight-to-DVD. So yeah. If I saw that CGI in a movie that came out today, yeah. then I would be wagging my finger at it. No, yeah. I just sort of take it for as it was. Yeah. But those are the two big problems I have from it. But really, for the sixth entry in a franchise, yeah. it actually is decent. I mean, that's where I'm starting with Hellseeker. I actually really, really do like the ending. I yeah. know, once again, you said spoilers. I'm of the argument that she's put in a horrible position where she has to make a deal with them. I mean, her boyfriend was, A, trying to kill her and set her up to be once again reunited with her worst idea of death. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, does she pull the trigger? Yes, but... And she has that relishing smile yeah. to the camera at yeah. the end. Like, but, she, she murdered him, she got away with it, and she loved it. Yeah, but she is damned because she is given the box back to her. Yeah. Like, the box is going to be with her. And even, it's almost going to be like it follows. She might have to give it to someone yeah. one day. So she is damned. I do like that angle to it. And whether or not she remained the good, pure protagonist, Christy, I think the true thing about it is once you've become infected with this thing, once you've yeah. crossed paths with that box, yeah. your life is basically screwed. Whether they yeah. kill you now or later, or whether it drives you crazy slowly or quickly... Yeah, it's just bad news for everyone. Just stay away. Yeah. Stay the fuck away. Yeah, I also do like the scene where they do reunite for the first time. <laughs> it, it is rather relishing to see that, once again, she strikes a deal. And even though she does get to you know continue walking on Earth one day, they will taste her flesh. But when we go to the similarities, yeah, there's a prostitute sort of... Or uh, not a prostitute, but there's a very... Uh, his side love interest yeah. uh, who, you know, ends up dead. Like you could copy paste that from the Craig Schaefer movie that we just saw. Um, and um, the, his goal is to find out what happened to his wife. So it seems, I guess, maybe less pure than yeah. trying to find the murderer of childs, but of children. But um, I, yeah, it, it's a weakness of the movie that I feel like I, I knew where it was going. Once the Cenobites show up, we're kind of in dreamland hellscape world. Yeah. So uh, you don't have to ask why anything's happening. Only the character does. And I didn't find there was too many scenes where I was like, oh, come on. Like, you have to wake up here. This this can't be a real thing for him. You know, yeah. A, a person who was dead, I don't think, would want to make that acceptance. Like, he, yeah. it would be a hard thing to come by. Yeah. I mean, I don't. it's sort of like I've said with ghosts. I don't know what it would take for me to believe in a ghost except for to turn a corner and mm -hmm. fucking see one <laughs> right yeah so uh i don't know uh what did you think of the return of ashley lawrence i on one hand i say thank you for bringing her back but on another hand i say is that still the same character well i can get your argument that it doesn't quite feel like kirsty um but what i think once again she's put in an awful position um she seems to get out of it some way I, I i sort of see it as once again they've finally gotten their claws into her she had as you know really you know you know run that far away it does feel like a straight to dvd you know quality but of its times so you have to give it you know some grace that way and at this um, point if you go by the just chronology of the films it's yeah. been 15 years of her life this yeah. has been going on yeah I will say this though that if because like once again I'm in virgin territory I haven't seen past bloodline right um, if they continue along this I am finding the series tedious right 
Um, and I do agree. Like, it feels very much like the last story. So I really do hope that they kind of change it up. But how would you and still be, you know, a Hellraiser film? I also, it's kind of cute that, you know, this is the first of the trilogy of, can we see, Rick Bota? Rick Bota? Bota? Maybe it's Bota. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'm sure at this point he's probably being very angry at us. Um, again, I have seen all the Hellraisers, but my memory starts getting a little bit gray in this part of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I tend to remember, the Bota chain is a little bit sexier and a little bit trashier. Okay. I don't know if that's a plus or a minus. I guess we can discuss that moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely lower budget. You're feeling that. You're feeling the more direct-to-video ones. The uh, Inferno one was direct-to-video, but you sort of felt like Scott Derrickson was trying to give it a cinematic feel. Yeah. By the time we get to the 6th, 7th, 8th chapter, to a certain degree, they give up, and it feels direct-to-video or even a little bit TV. Mm. But, um, again, I go back to what the fans want. Do you want, like, a Twilight Zone-ish story hosted by Pinhead and the Cenobites? Yeah. Or do you want a story about Pinhead and the Cenobites? And this movie sort of teases us that, but doesn't quite give us that. It is a little bit more, but it, I, you know, it's like a, it's connective tissue because it is that character. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it, but I, like I, as I said earlier, it's starting to feel tedious. Yeah. I think the acting again, for the most part, people are delivering it. Yeah. I kind of got a kick out of the boss character that was sexually obsessed with him. Like, yeah. I think she was having fun with that role, and yeah. like another actress might not have been as into it. It must have been really weird for, like, forget for the women, you know, doing it. I mean, it should really, it would be weird for them, but for Dean Winters, like, that's just, that's a lot of fondling. Yeah. This man is fondled a lot. The Cenobites want on him. The, yeah. All the women in the movie want on him. Yeah, well, it's all, getting it's possibly in his mind, most likely. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of molestation. <laughs> I think, be, like, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but, yeah, it is a lot of, like, man meat felt all over but again if we go from the point of impact of the car accident this is all being a fantasy in his head right yeah then maybe that's how he thinks of himself all these women are obsessed with me so whatever i do it's okay yeah. la 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 right you know what i think i've thought of a better title yeah hellraiser man meat <laughs> uh, i don't know hellraiser <laughs> horny edition yes <laughs> horny hell <laughs> hell of the horny oh yay keep going <laughs> we'll get there um, yeah, I don't How know what more. Hellraiser, hot, wild, and sexy to go. <laughs> um, what was the name of those? Uh, oh, you could order VHS tapes of Girls Gone Hellraiser. Re- oh, <laughs> yeah. I already feel ashamed. Is there anything else you want to say about Hellseeker? <laughs> no, no. I think if I say anymore, it's just going to be incriminating. I mean, I feel like we've done short shrift on it, but the truth is, is like, again, we're getting into this copy-paste syndrome where with the exception of the addition of Ashley Lawrence, this just isn't really different enough to really justify it. It should have been bigger yeah. if you're going to bring Ashley back. But, I mean, still, Chapter 6 in the Hellraiser Friends is like, I didn't hate it. No. Yeah. belongs to me. Can't hurt me. You're not the first to say that. 
Razor Deader um, from was it from the best sounding name in the Directors Guild, Rick Bota. Rick Bota. Bota. Um, so we have a investigative journalist who's a, made a, an assignment out from her boss, who seems to be a former lover of hers, to look into this cult of debtors, as they are called. Yep. And these people seem to have the power of resurrection. She sees a grainy videotape of a woman who is shot or shoots herself and then is apparently resurrected. She has to go to Romania to study it or to look into the... Uh, Discover the truth, at least. Yeah, to investigate is probably a better word because she's a journalist. And, of course, she gets in very rapidly way in over her head. Um, right away, I would have to say, on one hand, I'm grateful that it doesn't feel like it's just another Jacob's Ladder journey of the, you know, of sorts, souls. Yeah. But in another way, I feel like this is the most tangentially a Hellraiser movie that we've seen so far. Like, really, Pinhead is barely present in this movie at all. Supporting character would, would be a generous statement, yes. At that. Basically, it's a story about this carrier character... Uh, at once finding this investigation about the the cult and unlocking this memory about herself. It's pretty clear to us early on that it has something to do with some child abuse, but the full shape of it takes place throughout the, the, the movie. And this is classic with investigative stories. They learn both about their subject and about themselves. Yes. And it tends to lead to typically... A fairly dour consequence. All, of these, boxes, movie? all no. of these boxes are ticked off. Um, again, so it's a little bit of a paint-by-numbers piece. It's hard to get super excited about it, but considering the like a crazy amount of terrible horror movies I've seen, like I don't know, it, it just kind of it just kind of sits there for me. It is neither good nor bad. It is sort of Hellraiser deader. That's sort of where I'm starting. <laughs> well. Another name is Hellraiser the Comparative. (laughs) You you know what? I was actually sort of thinking that Pinhead would would be like a great English teacher. You could like start your class of, I'll tell your diction and writing apart. (laughs) You would show up on time for all of your classes and all of your assignments would be handed in. Yeah, yeah, like you would learn something. (laughs) (laughs) Your grammar would be better. Um, Yeah, no, this is... There's, it's not, it's not a film noir. Although it is a, it is a mystery. I did was a little more engaged with the whole investigation, you know, tracking down this dead cult, or this uh, resurrection cult, if you will. And I did like the angle that Penny was kind of annoyed with the debtors that, yeah. that uh, even though she did open the box, <laughs> and we'll get to that, you know, later. Uh, the real end game was Pinhead to get to get uh, this cult, the debtors, led by uh, is it Reese Afons? What's what's the Welsh actor? Anyways, he's doing his best Rick Springfield, you know, circa nineteen eighties uh, impression. Um, the story's a little more engaging. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to Carrie Wear. Um, for those who don't know uh, Carrie Ware, she's one of those like familiar faces, and I, I think it's time that we g- bring back that long lost uh, Cole Hauser Rank and <laughs> Review Award, and give it to an actor who's who's prolific, who's done a lot of work. I mean, she's an Anaconda, Eight Legged Freaks. She has been working consistently, basically 
since we've been in high school, it seems Do you like. remember the show Sliders, people? Yeah. Sliders. 90210, all of these things. She's been around, man. Yeah. She's been around. But she's never been, like, super popular, but she's yeah. never been unpopular necessarily. Yeah. She's yeah, just, yeah. She kind of fits comfortably into a Hellraiser movie in a lot of ways. But, I mean, I'll give her points. She brings it. There's a scene where she uh, is stabbed. Yep. And she wakes up and she is skewered by this knife and... She has to deal with it, both the physicality of that and the the pure horror of it. Yep, and it works. I yep. think in an, a a worse actor could maybe make that scene like almost funny. Yes, or or I don't know somehow the tone would be wrong. Yep, but she plays it really well. I think for she she holds the ludicrous plot threads together. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that much. She's spunky. Um, but I think like I was. I was wondering as we were watching the movie, I'd seen it before, but my memory of it was obviously very fuzzy. Yeah. Like, why do we keep going back to this child abuse in her in her past? Like, how does it connect? Yeah. Is he one of the people in the cults? And then the twist is, is that she ended up killing her abuser. Yes. But there's two things kind of weird about it. A, I thought it was pretty graphically explored like the the imagery they showed was kind of troubling. Yeah. Of that little girl and the, and the father and uh that it's sort of treated as a sin, I guess, in the context of the movie. Yes. That she killed this man who was sexually abusive towards her. Yes. I just, I don't necessarily agree or hold to that sort of theory that doesn't matter the context. If you kill somebody, that's a sin. Yeah. I don't know. I think context it's, it's, is That's important. a very uh, Catholic. Yeah. Very, very Catholic thing. You know, I liked how you, you described it as the flatliners problem. I, I agree with you that... You know, she didn't really commit a whole lot of sin. There was it was really just sort of self defense, and that's her big you know character reveal, and you know why she's in the game. Um, what I don't get, and I guess we could spoilers are we're at the ending already. Like, if, well, we can we can we can, we can backtrack and do whatever you want. Where yeah, well, we're, it's it's Hellraiser Debtor. <laughs> The comparative next up the superlative. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. Um, the final showdown when she throws the box and Penhead is released, you know, along with his little, you know, Cenobite cronies, uh, and they're there to take care of Rick Springfield and the rest the of his posse, yeah, yeah. rest of his posse. Um, you know, he then sort of turns and says, "It's your now time." Is it Amy? That's the lead character, yeah. um, because you opened the box and you know, this is your sin and. She says no and stabs herself, and that's how she saves herself. And I'm like, um... Yeah, the cult leader doesn't get to have her, and Pinhead doesn't get to have her, but I don't understand why not just saying no wouldn't be enough. Yes. Like, I don't I don't understand why she needed to sacrifice her life. And again, was she going to heaven? Was she going to hell? Was this redemption? Did she need redemption? And then they take it the one further step of making the reveal of the boss who gave her the assignment is in some measure in league with them because he keeps on delivering people yeah. into the hands of this presumed cult. Yeah. But does she that ending make sense? None of it makes sense. If the cult has been eradicated by Pinhead, then what is she going to investigate this next victim? Like, yeah. 
again, it got it got pretty fast and loose towards the third act. I was with the movie for yeah. like the first two thirds of it. Yeah, I was intrigued actually. But I just don't think they closed the deal. And I'll say what you will about the previous two entries is for their familiarity and for like me anticipating everything that was gonna happen. Yeah. They at least closed the deal. I yeah. may not have been surprised, but like we came full circle, they told a story that made yeah. sense to me. And I think that might be the great sin of Debtor. Uh, from a production standpoint, it's decent. From an acting standpoint, it's decent. There's cool conceptual stuff that uh, train with the weird, you know... Uh, Romania S- has the best transit train system. Weird S&M club located on a subway train for some reason. I'd ride that train, come on. It's interesting in its idea and, yep. and, and somewhat in its execution. But in the end, it fails its story. And people who listen to Rank and Review know how disciplined a story guy I can sometimes be. Yeah. And for that, in the end of the day, I have to kind of give it a fairly confident overall thumbs down. Ooh. But it's not like, a, I hate this movie, like it's terrible. It's just like, I have seen so many like yeah. terrible yeah, low yeah, budget yeah, horror yeah, movies yeah. which are hard to watch. Yeah. This isn't hard to watch. It actually held my attention the whole time. But I don't know that I was rewarded for for my patience. The third act does let the movie down. Um, I do. There's a lot of blue in this movie as well. Yeah. Like the, the, a lot color of color saturation, yeah, black lighting, and which is fine. I don't mind it, especially for like the low budget movie and and even some of the sets. There's a little bit of German expressionism in the, uh, put into them, so I'm like, ha, ha, ha. so I appreciate like little things like that. But there's an awful lot of blue lighting in this movie. Dabba dee dabba dow. Certain sequences works when she goes to that first apartment and finds the body. Yeah. I think that not a lot of movies can pull off a disturbing dead body. Yeah. And the sequence goes on for a long time. And, and you all, and you're knowing that that We're waiting for move. a boo to happen and the boo does happen and like that's derivative, I suppose. But I think that the movie does have a tactile ick factor yep. that a lot of quote dead body scenes in movies kind of fail at. Yeah. So that's well done. I can't. I don't know the name of the English actor who uh, played the kid on the train. I guess maybe I can splice that. Yes. But I've seen him in lots of other things. He tends to bring a lot of energy. Yeah. Uh, to to you know everything he brings to it. Isn't that Wanted movie and? Uh, well, even her boss I've seen somewhere before. Yeah. He usually plays it's sort of like a Julian Sands slimy kind of character persona. I mean, maybe I'm being hard on the movie. I'm just like. Well, no, it's... There's it's, sequences that work. The acting is good enough. I just... It doesn't quite close the deal. In a way, it's more frustrating when it's almost there than when it's a, a flat-out catastrophe. So I can just say, oh, yeah, everybody out of the pool. Don't even bother with it. Yeah. No, um, I mean, it's a straight-to-video movie. And quite honestly, unless you're a completist or... After the first two or three, there's none that are quote-unquote necessary. Yes. So, I mean, I don't think you're being exceptionally cruel to it. Right. It's, in the words of Larry Parsons, all it's right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but I will help you champion Carrie Wurr. I do think, like, I, I've seen her in lots of things, and she never sucks in a role, but uh, it's just weird how she's sort of had this sort of baseline presence. And, uh, yeah, somebody had to shout her out. I guess today it was Lee Beckman and Larry Parsons. Well, I just think she's been around long enough, and that uh, she deserves she deserves some shout outs man she's good she yeah. does a good job with it yeah yeah and she was in sliders <laughs> sliders 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 and eight and eight legged freaks and yeah. and that ant movie and 
she's she's just she's a cool Hauser. She gets the rank and review cool Hauser award. I'm going to a real life secret hell world party. <laughs> Welcome, Hellraisers. Invitations. But if you need anything, just scream. Hellraiser 8? Hell World? Woo! It's a weird place when you get it with any franchise when you get to like number 8. Yeah. Like fatigue almost necessarily has to be setting in at this point. <laughs> like unless you're James Bond and you're generationally resetting yourself or recasting yourself or like we're at chapter 8. Yeah. So what does Hell World do to distinguish itself? <laughs> Well, uh, several things, and most of them bad, but, uh, well, just hear me out. Um, we're in the meta phase of horror a little bit here. Sure. The, it's the aftermath of the 90s with sort of the scream, wink, wink. Yeah. At, but, you know, there's popularity of the Charlie Kaufman-esque thing. So sure. this Hellraiser movie is the first, and as I believe only Hellraiser movie, that acknowledges Hellraiser as an entity and Cenobites as an entity like there's a video game based off of it that these kids are playing I know and uh this kind of meta real quote-unquote real world acknowledgement of things yeah I don't think has ever worked like I can't think of an example of it working and being effectively scary yeah, well, I agree with you. This is like this film to me c- commits a lot of cardinal yeah. sins, and this is the one of the major ones. Yes, uh, it's also got that sort of jittery, uh, jump cutty camera work that was super popular in the early two thousands. Yeah, and like I feel like at the time he's emulating a certain style and thinking that he's like right on the cusp of something cool and new. But it really, really dates the movie. Like, Mm. it's got the sort of weird video aesthetic. So that works against the movie. This movie? Structurally, slasher movie. Right? Like, it's a bunch of stupid people who make bad decisions and get killed off one at a time. And then we can talk about the ending when we get to the ending. Sure. So... It, like we talked about the other ones like being procedurals dressed up as a Hellraiser movie or Jacob's Ladder dressed up as a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. This is what we're going for here. Yes. Right? It's a slasher movie dressed up as a Hellraiser movie. Haunted House slasher movie, yes. And it's not good, but I have a smile on my face while I'm watching it. Okay. What's going on? What's my what's what's happening here? Well, I don't know about you, man, but I, I had the opposite of opposite effect because I had my arms crossed like, no, no, no. You're fighting it. Yeah. I, I, I was fighting it. Um, I can acknowledge that sometimes you're in the right mood. Mm-hmm. You know, prime example, Leprechaun in, in the space, hood. Or in, in, well, in space, I think I was going to enjoy any day. Right. Um, and I can freely admit that, you know, the right time, right place, sure. Um, my big beef, and you've already said one, is that I really hate it when film series... It's called retconning in a lot of ways. Right. The new Halloween movies have done it, but they did it, like, very quickly. Like, they just sort of acknowledged that, no, Jamie Lee Curtis is not Michael Myers' uh, sister, and then bang, and the movie went along. But it would that that is less of a sin than just saying that it's a movie. Like, yeah. 
the original Halloween is a movie, and yeah. these are fans who've gone mad. Yeah. That's yeah. never worked for me. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I hated the Blair, Blair Witch, Witch 2, 2 yeah. Book of Shadows. And that was... And you're saying that Blair Witch didn't exist. I'm like, no. Mm. No. So, I mean... If you were to look at the Halloween series and forget that Resurrection didn't exist, that's I would be fine. Fu- that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> that would be fine. And not that, you know, Hellraiser Debtor is the Pulitzer Prize winning classic, but I just really don't like it when they say, oh no, these aren't real. These are actual entertainment. There is a lament box and, and the toy guy was real, but... It, you know, it, this is just entertainment. And even, like, this is, like, 2004? Five, I think. 2005? Yeah. Like, this movie feels like a 90s horror movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, like, it does. Even, like, from the hairstyles, because dreamy Henry Cavill has got, well, like, he's got the bang look. I did want to mention Henry Cavill, our Superman or a yeah. Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, certain good, bad horror movies seem to have essential ingredients sprinkled yeah. about them. Like... <coughs> Pardon me. Sometimes a star before they're famous yeah. can be a helpful thing. So yeah. we have that in Henry Cavill. Yeah. Um, sort of the needless gratuity of the violence. Yeah. Sort of stamps its sort of face in. And then you usually will have a past their best before date genre figure thrown okay. into the movie. We'll, we'll, we'll get to him, though. <laughs> so enter stage left Lance Henriksen. Oh, okay, we're here. So I was just saying that these are all ingredients that like yeah. help, to in my mind... Uh, like, in the way a crutch helps you when you have a broken leg, right? Okay. Uh, uh, <coughs> to me. help the movie move and, like, uh, have a pulse for me. Okay. Right? So, um, I, I'm going to say a lot of negative things about it, but I'm going to enjoy it. I recently, well, I guess not when this aired, but the season finale of last year's uh, season was on The Tremors, and I talked about this one, A Cold Day in Hell. Okay. Which is a terrible movie, yeah. which I enjoyed laughing at. Yes. It's like a good, bad movie. Yes. This, to me, is closer to that, which is not a compliment to the movie. Yeah. But it's, a, to me, at least the most close to anything in the series of being a good, bad movie. Okay. And I, I can enjoy those, too. Um, I think there had been too many slaps in the face. And I and I can even freely admit that maybe I was maybe a tad grumpy. I don't know. Like I, I actually had to like stop and start this movie more than once. <laughs> uh, once out of just frustration, and then once because I and I I never thought I would use have a sentence where, with vanilla and Hellraiser in the same sentence. To be perfectly honest, because it really really felt generic. Hmm. Like this is a haunted house slasher. It, like it had really like House on Haunted Hill remake kind of feel to it. Well, much like most of the sequels we've talked about so far, it yeah, didn't it felt like they wedged in the Hellraiser stuff very yeah. clumsily. Yeah, uh, uh, and again, we haven't mentioned plot at all, but a bunch of really unlikable yeah, stereotypical characters get. Uh, they're all playing this Hellraiser video game, and they all have this connection in their past. Yeah, and they're invited by the creator of the game. Yeah. to this big event where they can you know have this weird weird ravey orgy party and yes. meet the Cenobites and yeah. what's going on they start getting picked off one at a time and how does this jive with Hellraiser and nothing really makes sense until the end of the movie and then after you think about it for a little bit that doesn't even really make a lot of sense <laughs> no but, I know <laughs> but we'll get there anyway sorry I wanted just to mention that because I'm getting really bad for forgetting to talk plot so no, no that no, is the plot <laughs> yeah that, that's fine um 
anyways, where was it? Oh yeah, like the card, like a lot of cardinal sins. Like, like we already talked about how um, they this movie decided to say that you know before this everything else was fiction, you know, entertainment, and it's a really cheesy video game that might might have looked cool at you know in ninety six ninety seven when the internet was just yeah. coming to be. But even in 2005, it's like, ooh. Video games age rapidly. Yeah, seems. but even 2005, there was better graphics. I don't know, better graphics than this. One would hope. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Future Rankin Review Cole Hauser Award winner. <laughs> he he really should get an award, but but not for this. Everybody knows Lance Henriksen, but he's kind of like the unspoken horror or genre icon. Yeah. Like, I actually was looking at his IMDb page, which has well, well more than 200 acting yeah, credits yeah. in it. Yeah. And uh, so much of it is horror and science fiction. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, like, he's going to show up to any paying job. Yeah. But usually he shows up to work. There are scenes in this movie where it's almost amusing to me how checked out Lance Henriksen seems to be. He is Phoning this in. But there's also a couple of scenes, like when he's talking to the police officers, where he actually seems amused. I don't know how meta it was, but yeah. like he seems to actually be having fun in that scene. <laughs> it's just like, but yeah. like, uh, um, but I just can't not like Lance Henriksen. And yeah. Oh no. He, he shares the distinction with only one other actor to, the, to have been killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a predator. Right, right, because he's an alien versus predator. That's right. He gets That's killed right. by a predator, an alien versus predator. That's he gets killed right. By, well, he gets ripped in half by an alien and aliens, but yeah. I'm going to count it. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. Like, and yeah. he gets shot by the Terminator. That's right. And Bill he Paxton does. is also killed by all three of those yeah. creatures. Look, I have nothing but love for Lance, yeah. right? Like like I said, this is a future rank and review Cole Hauser Award winner. It's just not going to be for this movie. And I can't, and I won't blame him. Like, actors got to eat. They got a house. Yeah. Um, it's not like Gene Hackman or Samuel Jackson or uh, Michael Caine have not done a slew of movies where, like, I didn't even see it, but I saw the garage that, you know, it helped create kind of thing. Right. Like, no judgment here, Lance. By all accounts, you told me the story that he was already in the country. Yeah, well, they shot this back-to-back with the previous yeah. the Hellraiser. Same director. Rick Botta. Yeah, and, uh, but, I like, so, as they were shooting the first one, they were sort of prepping the second one, yeah. and it became, like, well, who's readily available? Yeah. Who also happens to be in-country shooting a movie right now? Yeah. And, like... So he was available. He was already there. Sure, I'll do a Hellraiser movie. But yeah. that doesn't tell me he was passionate with the project yeah. or he fell in love with the script or he really believed in this yeah, director. No, yeah. This was a paycheck production. Oh, yeah. Like, not every movie is going to be Lawrence of Arabia. I get it. And and, and some of it is really just the script. Like They can't all be Mimic 3, man. No. <laughs> no, that that is true. And you know, you look at his IMDb page. I mean, he's got, and I do want to see this exorcism. Exorcism at sixty thousand feet. It's I saw like, that title. It seems like something I should probably get around to at some point. That has me written all over <laughs> it. <laughs> well, however, back to Hell World. Yes. Yeah. However, um, it and it wasn't even disheartening. Like, like I'm not judging you, Lance, because I'm sure you totally listen to this podcast. Right. But you did phone this in. I think <laughs> even if we sat you down with a drink, you could even say, oh, yeah, yeah, If yeah, he yeah. remembers it at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. So it's, 
that was another strike against it. It was just sort of like, oh, dude, like you really don't look engaged. I mean, yes, there's a couple of scenes where he I lights guess, up. He lights up, but the movie doesn't ask a lot of him to begin with. Like it's just he's got that sort of silky, almost smoke-filled voice. I would argue the biggest problem of the movie is that it doesn't ask much of anything of yeah. anyone. Yes, the biggest thing that it has going for it, arguably to yeah. me, is the ending, which I want to kind of get to. Here. Okay, well, okay. Um, we all right. You still want the ending? Go for no, it. No, because we're we're talking about Lance Henriksen, and he's okay. like the big puppet master for yes. all of this. He has the lament configuration, and and how that works into this tale of revenge is pretty, pretty peripherally. Yeah. But what we see increasingly doesn't make a lot of sense. The logic doesn't make sense, and just the like visual narrative of the movie. And like, yeah. are they in hell? Is this a real party? Have they broken into the Cenobite world? I think this is what they were supposed to be getting the audience to play with. Yeah. I don't know how successfully they ever achieved this. Yeah. But as it turns out, when they arrived at the party, they're all given her drinks and they're all drugged. Yes. And they've all been buried alive and yeah. they're all in coffins underground, slowly dying of oxygen deprivation. Yeah. And these hellscape visions of their own deaths are what they're dreaming as they're suffocating. Yeah. And Lance Henriksen is sort of enjoying, you know, this party uh, while... He's somehow communicating to them as they're buried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, randomly, he opens the box and he gets punished as well like well, well, again yeah. for no fucking reason yeah. at all but here's the like that is the one thing that the movie had to offer i didn't know where it was going yeah but i absolutely did not guess that that's where it was no, going no like, yeah there wasn't it was one of the few times in the entire franchise honestly where i didn't see where the movie was going okay <laughs> and mm-hmm. i mean it, it doesn't save the movie necessarily but yeah. it won at some points for me okay um I don't know. When that happened, I just kind of, like, I did an issue of, fuck off. (laughs) You want me to believe that, you know, they're having a shared hallucination on some sort of drug that Lance Henriksen, like, because he's communicating to them somehow. And they're, for the most part, most of them are all buried. And they've all dreamt of this, you know, same house at some point. I just, I just went, no, no. And then, and then we find out that, not only is the, are the Cenobites actually real and alive and the box is real, that it, it almost was lying against what it said earlier, that the movies are all fake uh, and everything. But, oh, no, wait, no, the Cenobites are real. Like I, I just, like I said, I had my arms crossed and went, yeah. no, yeah. no. Um, so that, that, that just kind of soured it for me. I, Maybe I was just resigned. Maybe we were just in different places. Yeah. Was like, like, like chapter eight. Yeah. Like in Friday the 13th line, this is Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know. Like I have. (laughs) We're deep in the mud now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I get it. We're we're swimming with the bacteria. So I'm in. Instead of fighting the movie, I'm looking for something to like here. And I found more here. I don't know why it hit my sweet spot a little bit. Yeah. Like, again, I'm way fucking overselling it. But like, I don't know why it kind of hit me right at times, but at times it did. Okay. That's all. I don't know. There was one scene as well that, and this is, you know, when my sexist part comes out, long live the patriarchy, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And ladies, I'm sorry. And you can write your complaints to Larry.Parsons. No, wait a second. (laughs) I Um, did it. It was me. Okay. Anyways. So... The the Henry Cavill character has, he's terrible. Well, yeah, sure, he's a douche. Yeah, he's a douche. They're all douches, really. Yeah. They're all like none of the characters are redeemable. 
they're all they all have some sort of annoyance to them. Yeah, and they're gonna double down on that moving forward. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm gonna defend his douchiness a little bit. Okay. Like I said, this is when I become a sexist pig. Okay. And ladies, you can slap me and tell me if I'm wrong. I'll make him sleep on the couch tonight. You guys. Fair should. enough. Okay. So they're at this really orgy party. Yeah, right? Seems to be how it's being portrayed yeah, here. Like drugs and sex. Yeah, yeah, like and like it was well advertised. Yeah. So so if you're going to this party, you're really there to, you know, shake your booty, get your rocks off and, you know, maybe engage in some sort of narcotics. Like that's that's what they're really there to do. Right. Uh, and so Henry Cavill has Henry Cavill Henry Cavill's douchey character has obviously had a bit of a thing for our lead female character who Act whose name, who actor I forget her name, and I really don't care. Yeah, yeah, doesn't like, matter. Yeah. He's being seduced and led into a separate area, but uh, it's under false pretense. No, 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 no. It's even before this. Oh, sorry, please. Sorry, like this is the this is the the blonde uh, woman okay. who apparently, like, I guess, I guess it was her boyfriend who died early on. Right. Is that is that what we're meant to believe? Okay, yeah. and she's still sort of pining. It's been a couple of years, but you and you didn't even want to go to the party. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> but, you know, they're at the party. You know, he kind of, he does his, you know, slimy little kind of like, you know, over and, you know, d- does a shot. And, you know, starts hitting on her. And, you know, she gets all upset. And then, you know, sort of, you know, you should go get laid. And I expect apology in the morning. And walks off. I, I, I hit stop at that point because I kind of went, all right, I get the fact that he's hitting on you <laughs> but you're at a party where there's like it's sexual orgies going on you had it's a sex party it's so a sex party you had to he un- was not out of a line to assume that maybe you'd be interested in sex yeah okay. like you know there's that i don't mind the I, no i don't mind the no like obviously like <laughs> please please understand ladies you have all the right in the world to say no, no means no yeah no means no yeah I, I i know this yeah honestly i have to say like it didn't clock i mean i understood yeah. what they were doing with that character we weren't supposed to like him and they were successful to me in that measure okay i don't think he was that that bad though right um but she acts all hurt and affronted and it was the i expect an apology and i just kind of went do, do do you really <laughs> like he did say, you know, like it's been two years and you're pining for a guy that you didn't get a second chance on. Truth, <laughs> little harsh maybe, but truth and maybe not the thing to say if you're trying to seduce your close friend, like bad move Henry, but I expect an apology. I don't know. I just kind of went. I, I hear what you're saying, but yeah. I honestly think the movie has much bigger problems. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, like, it, it is a... It is a small notch and a plethora of problems. Yeah. But at that point, I did hit stop because I thought all of these characters are annoying. Yeah. All of them. They're like, none of them are really redeemable. I know they're going to die. We have the token, you know, black character who stupidly, like, his girlfriend is there and is like openly wanting to sleep with other women. And then is like... But isn't that what the party was for, Lee? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I freely admit that, but... I don't know. Like, none of the characters are stupid. And I just went, no. I would say all of the characters are stupid. Yeah, sorry. You, you just said none of none? them. None? Sorry. I said all of the characters are stupid. And maybe, like, I don't know. It, it sounded like I was getting more into this than I realized no. now. Well, I don't think it's worth 
as much as I'm liking it, but yeah. nor do I think it's worth as much as you're hating it. Yeah. But it's definitely not worth 22 minutes. No, no, no. So I think, can we pull the plug on Hellworld? It just... It vexed me. It vexed me. I really get it. You guys never talk about Steven and Nico. Emma, please. What, please forget that I had a brother? Please forget that my boyfriend disappeared with him? What is on that video camera? Shut up! Ah! It's Steven! It's Nerd. Everyone, just stay calm. about hell world you were going on about how all of the characters were completely deplorable and hateable in the movie yeah. and I, I i don't disagree with you but i they fell into the construct of the slasher genre so i knew they're going to be picked off one by one sure. and the deeper we got into the movie the fewer assholes we'd have to deal with sure. and i suppose that to an extent that's true here of hellraiser judgment yeah but i fucking hate everybody in this movie don't i mean, don't don't, have, you, don't you mean revelations Revelations, what did I say? You said judgment. Oh, sorry, Revelations. I'm talking about Revelations. Uh, $300,000 budget yep. made to keep the Hellraiser franchise under the banner of the current owners. Uh, so they were making it at a dead run, and they had a lot of things working against them. But that said, I just I don't understand why you would build a movie around characters that... Like, there's nobody to cheer for at any point. Like... Uh, these kids that we get introduced to at the beginning of the movie, the found footage sort of opening yeah. of the movie, are awful. Yes. And then the parents, who you could, should be sympathetic for initially because their kids are missing and they want to figure out what happened to them, the more we learn about them, the more every single one of them is like involved with, you know, yeah. in some way with another one and how they're so willing to kill, backstab each other. And, I'm sorry how poorly acted a lot of the movie is i just Some of it. i felt i didn't connect there then we have the problem that it's the first hellraiser movie that doesn't have doug bradley mm -hmm. and like not that he's had such a weighty presence especially in the last couple of movies yeah he's sort of it feels like a lot of times his scenes were shot separately yeah the frustrating thing is is that for the first time in a long time in the hellraiser franchise this doesn't feel like a movie pretending to be a hellraiser movie mm -hmm. this is definitely following the rules of the first couple hellraiser movies mm -hmm. you can go to hell but you can escape hell through yep. bloodletting and you can wear people's skins yeah and they're going back to the original kind of iconography or or, or uh storylines to that certain degree mm -hmm. so on one hand they're trying to give you i guess pure original hellraiser yeah but the package is just so stillborn to me that okay. like i find very little to hang on to this movie is 74 minutes long yep. it is barely feature length mm -hmm. and i confess it was a way longer sit for me than hell world really <laughs> not okay. a fan 
Okay. Not a fan. Okay. Well, That's where I'm starting. <laughs> all right. Um, well, the internet really wanted me to hate this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I looked online and it's just like, wow. I've seen, like, I've gotten more entertainment of, you know, looking at the side of my mouth with that film sort of, you know, kind of happening. Um, I appreciated the fact that it was really trying to get back to at least the general themes of the Telltale Heart yeah. and the original Hell- Hellraiser movies after having, you know, two sort of Jacob Ladder film noir ripoffs and, you know, a slasher haunted house movie with, with uh, Hellworld. I found it kind of refreshing that we were getting back to it. Does this movie have echoes of problems? Absolutely. You get, and it is to the fact that they they were it was made for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and it, for too little money. Yeah, like we're trying to we're trying to keep the rights to the Hellraiser franchise, so let's make a movie very very quick. Um, the to me, I guess because it's the the budget was three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, like that's not a lot. Like that is a micro budget movie in a lot of ways. It's disrespectful almost. Okay, yeah, disrespectful, but then I, I, I sort of took, okay, it has a really small budget, and I did kind of gave it a little bit of a pass in that regard. Like, let's see what you can do. Well, I'll judge it on its own measure. I'm yeah. just saying to the to the franchise itself, yeah. like, they finally settled the Friday the 13th lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. If they made a 300,000 Friday the 13th movie, it would yeah. just seem kind of like... Well, yeah, I guess you can do that, guys, but why? Why not, you know, put yeah. a little energy behind it? Put a little cash. And I can understand that, but there was a little bit, okay, so this is $300,000, let's see what you can do. I And I and I didn't start off well, like when it had that whole found footage thing. And I'm a defender of found footage, yeah. but man, I just did, it miscued for me right away. Yeah, and I went, uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh. <laughs> if the whole thing was going to be like this, this is going to be a long 73 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but then thankfully it at least got to back to some sort of steady cam stuff. And yes, Nico and I forget the other character's name. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I know we're so, so terrible with the IMDB. Well, again, I just don't care about any of these people. Yeah. Yes. They're awful. But so was Frank in the first Hellraiser. Steven's the other guy. Steven. Okay. So yes, they're awful. And they're the ones that are really like everything is about everything is about them for this movie yeah. even when they're disappeared but so was you know the lead character in Hellraiser like the villains really aren't the Cenobites it's really just Frank the elder brother and his girlfriend but with the, the movie is a series of reveals yeah right like Hence what's happened to the boys yeah, yeah. What happened to the boys? Oh, they're starting to show up, or they come back, right, yeah. to, to show up at the dinner party. The, yeah. Almost the entire movie is shot in this house. Yeah. Most of it in one room. It does feel like a play. Yeah. And there's this one woman who keeps on trying to solve the box. And the one consistent note that they keep learning through the videotape and through the stories and the information told them is that you shouldn't try to solve the puzzle box. Mm-hmm. And again and again and again and again in the movie, she goes back to trying to solve the puzzle box. The main villain, when he finally reveals himself to be wearing the skin of his former friend yeah. and uh, takes everybody at gunpoint, forces her to open the puzzle box and send the Cenobites. Who is he fleeing from? Yeah. He thought he could strike a deal, but, I mean, that was dumb. It's dumb. just, like, the whole the whole movie, like... 
Yeah. Her behavior doesn't make sense. The villain's behavior doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, this could have... Like, the seed story. These kids go missing. The parents want to know what yeah. happened. It turns out they got sucked into the cult or the world of the Cenobites. Yeah. And by proxy, their parents get sucked into it as well. Mm-hmm. On its face, as a description, as an idea for yeah. a Hellraiser movie, yeah. I'm on board. See, but I wasn't bored like I was with Hellworld. Yeah. I... I, I I, I can agree that, especially the actor that plays the sister, yeah. she's terrible. And nobody wanted that incest scene. Well, see... <laughs> I but, know it's not incest, but it's like... Yeah, it's meant to go ick, but at that point I went, oh, wait a second, that is Nico. Yeah. That's Nico. And, oh, okay, that's kind of clever. Oh, wait, that's harkening back to the first Hellraiser. Of yeah. course that makes sense. I guess I was taken a little off guard that you, you know we find out, because there's two sets of parents and... You know, shocker, spoiler. That you know, one husband is is actually Having sleeping an affair with the other, and that sent that sent the two boys. So inevitable. <laughs> I I well, I didn't see it. Okay. So I guess it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I should have. This is the Hellraiser series. Revelations. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, revelations. Um. I did like the fact that it was contained in a house. Like yeah. it, it almost could be. It could be construed as a play. So I thought that was kind of engaging. Um, I also th- I was surprised by the level of gore. For a three hundred thousand dollar movie, there's some scenes where I went, "Gee, it has yeah. its moments." So that also kind of like I had no scenes in Hell World where I was like blown away. Yes, it, it you know I could say it's bloody and whatnot, although it has Penhead using an axe. Yeah, <laughs> and I went bullshit. You're you're like one of the leaders of hell. You've got dangling hooks. You don't need an axe. But let's you know that was the last movie. Actually, let me say something nice because I've been pretty one sided on my okay. campus. Stefan Smith Collins mm-hmm. was put in the un, you know, uh, unenviable position mm-hmm. of having to fill the shoes of Doug Bradley. Yes, and. I think people didn't hate him because he was terrible in the movie. Yeah. I think people hated him because he wasn't Doug Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is fine for what he's being asked to do. Yeah. But it's still weird to me that even though this is a legit Cenobite movie, he still somehow seems peripheral. He still feels like all of his scenes were shot separately. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like he interacts with the rest of the plot in a real way. Mm -hmm. It's like this is a movie hosted by Pinhead again. Yeah. Um, Once again, because this movie was so rushed, it's little things. Like Doug Bradley, when you hear him speak, does not sound like Pinhead. No. They alter his... It's a choice. Well, not only that, but they they alter his voice. Yeah. So they could do that with this actor. Um, it, it sounds kind of bad when he is just doing his own no. Yeah, I am Pinhead. And they're ripping, like, and they're paraphrasing lines from the original. So what I could understand being annoyed by that. Um, it's little things that could have just upped the game, upped the movie a little bit by just changing the voice. And it does make it feel very, very cheap. But it's not his fault. It's the filmmaker's fault. Well, they just didn't have enough time. Yeah. Because they were at a dead run. So once again, it was to me sort of kind of 
going back and forth. They were like literally had little time and little money. This is it feels like we've traded places. I know. Usually I'm the guy playing defense for the underdog. Yeah. And being very forgiving of a micro budget production and yeah. you're the one just like fuck it just do you know well be ruthless. Yeah. No, like and I get it and maybe I was in a better mood to take this. Mm-hmm. Um I like I I did also like read a lot of the internet reviews and they were just piling it on. Oh yeah. Devils, or well, t- to my defense, out of all of the ten Hellraiser movies that exist to this point, yeah, this is the only movie that Clive Barker has publicly spoken out against. Yeah, and he said they're going to have my name all over the marketing of this movie from the imagination of Clive Barker. Yeah, quote: I had nothing to do with this piece of shit. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> I, ouch. Uh, yeah, I guess I pretty. It's pretty safe to say that. You're a story guy when it comes to movies, and mm-hmm. I'm more aesthetics. Yeah. Like, is, I'm not out of line by saying by that. Largely. I mean, I think yeah. we both have different yeah. Yeah, yeah. exceptions yeah. to that, but yes. Yeah. I thought the story was engaging enough. It felt like a second or third draft, and it needed a couple more, I freely admit. But the story was closer, closer to the telltale heart, and I did find that refreshing. And it didn't bore me like Hellworld, and even to a lesser extent, like Deader or... Hellseeker or Inferno, like well, um, so, it's gonna rank. No, it, it's it's still at the bottom. Like there's still enough bad things right. going on it, um, but the story was engaging enough that I didn't, I didn't hate the movie. Well, uh, and I and I'm making excuses for the movie when to help your argument too. Like you said, you were primed to hate it. Yeah. I was also primed to hate it. Yeah. Like, I went into this knowing its reputation. Yeah. I bought a copy of it, not because I was anticipating good, because I'm a yeah. slave, because I'm a collector, because I had eight other Hellraiser movies. I yeah. am now duty-bound to get the ninth, right? Yeah. So, like, I didn't go in with the best of attitudes. Yeah. And maybe that hurt it, but yeah. I can't, I gotta be honest, man. I just wasn't feeling this. Yeah. Um, I think the scene, I don't know whether it's his friend, but... Or or, or or Nico is that Stephen the other friend? Stephen. Stephen. Yeah. Might have been when I think it was like when Nico was going down finally, and they peel his skin off, and he has this look of pain, but then almost orgasmic. I went, ugh. Right. There's a scene where Stephen hires a prostitute, and she takes him back to his place, and there's a baby. Yeah. And you hear you hear Nico kill her, and then snap the baby's neck. I went. Ugh, like that was pretty horrifying. So this movie, you know, has a couple of scenes that are horrific. So I will give you points for that. Like this is not a. a I was not disappointed. Like I was horrified. It's a de- it's a dimension extreme movie, and there's some spots where I thought, oh yeah, this deserves its its credit as as extreme. It feels like there are scenes that were sort of designed to earn it that moniker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like the bum that he yeah, shows we've up. We've seen him yeah. uh, before, and it was kind of refreshing. Yeah, again tying it back. This is a for real Hellraiser movie, you guys. Yeah, we ain't faking it no more. Yeah, um, and that was something that I hadn't really also felt for a couple of movies. Yeah, um, this was a film that made me go, oh. So it made me make that sound too, but just for different reasons. 
evil seeks evil. What is going on here? Let's just dive in, shall we? What we're investigating is very dark. Just curious. What do you see? You think you're too close to this case? Jesus Christ. It's him. What on earth is this place? It isn't. So there's a lot of weird things to be said about Hellraiser Judgment. Yes. Uh... One of the more dramatic things is like the obvious uptick in quality. I, I mean, from the previous one. I know you were defending the previous one. I'm talking about like in budget and film technique, yeah, and like just sort of professional execution. I think it's the same budget though. It's the same writer, really, and the writer is also the director. Okay. And is the guy who plays the auditor. Yes, with all the scars on his face. Yes. And his game has improved significantly. Yes. And I suspect his budget because it does look a lot better than uh, the previous one. I think it's the same. I think it's another $300,000 movie. It, well, it's low. He found a better way to uh, spread the money around. Either yeah. way, um, I would have never believed it was the same guy. Like, okay. I don't, I, I, until like I was paying attention because we're doing the franchise. Like, that was, I was shocked. Okay. Uh, it is a significant improvement on the first movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, on the first movie, pardon me, on the ninth chapter. Okay? Yes. Uh, the, the one that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. But it also has some real problems to it. Okay. The, what I really like about it is when it gets to the nuts and bolts business of the Cenobites doing their thing. Yes. Uh, the first act or like mini short film of the movie of this guy being processed and yes. making his confession and his confession being consumed and then him being judged by these weird women. Mm -hmm. And like, I usually use this as a weapon against the movie, but it almost had like Lynchian properties to it. Like, yes. like if David Lynch was capable of making an honest horror movie, yeah. some of these scenes could be in that. Yes. And I say that to a complimentary degree, but then the movie starts the investigation, like the detectives, we've seen this that many story, times before. Like the sort of seven serial killer thing, like yeah. it's legitimately about the seven deadly sins and ten commandments. The, the ten commandments in this case, but again, it's so similar to yeah. seven that yeah. it's kind of it makes you blush. Yeah. Uh, so then they're trying to go for this murder mystery, but they just go to crime scene to crime scene. They never interview suspects. They never have suspects. Yeah. So all we have is the cast of characters in front of us. So, like, there's no reveal to the movie, right? It's trying to give you this big, big reveal. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember uh, Matt made this an analogy about uh, a movie uh, where there's a murder mystery between two people. Like, it's murder on a tandem bicycle. Yeah. There's no way it can't be one of the yeah. two brothers. Yeah. And it's no way it's not going to be the older of the two brothers. <laughs> and there's just no payoff to this. And as much as I like the sort of business nuts and bolts stuff, like I said about the Cenobites doing their business, mm -hmm. it has sort of forgotten the Cenobite lore. 
These are just demons now. These are demons in the hellscape. Even an angel shows up and bosses them around for a few scenes in this movie. Okay. Like, uh, Cenobites usually, they appear, like they live in hell and they appear to you as demonic because they're gross. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as Cenobites are concerned, it's not necessarily about punishment. It's about this contract that you have with them, this sort of pleasure-pain dynamic, this... Mm-hmm eternal thing turn you into one of them they're apolitical they're yeah. doing their job and but in this movie they are demons they're definitely just working in the it seemed to me like they were judging bad people and preparing their souls for torment okay um which is just different it's just a different stretch yes and no um i, I if you look back to number two when uh the lead uh the lead uh, villainess, uh, they they force the young girl to open up the box and the Cenobites know right away that she's not the one, even though she physically... She's an innocent. uh, You know, uh, it's someone else. So so they know that the majority of people that usually come to them are not good. But they seek out the box. Yeah. This guy was invited Mm -hmm. and he was a, a serial killer pedophile dude that they're judging. Yeah. Uh, so it's just different. I'm not okay. saying it's necessarily bad. Okay. I'm just saying it's different. Okay. But that is the part of the movie that I like and I think works. Mm-hmm. Even like some of the needlessly grotesque stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a really gross bit where this dude vomits all over the place and then the, these women are like swishing their hands around in the vomit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's nasty. <laughs> I, I, I want to shout out John, is it Guler? Guler. The guy who's the duh. He, consumes the pages of the, the I think he's called the engineer I could be wrong Gulliger yeah uh, he is the son of Clue Gulliger yeah Gu- uh, Gu- the assessor the assessor um it's been a while since a character made me just gag yeah and it, it's totally out of left field because he comes in and he he's all kind of meekish in a little bit and but he's wearing like no shirt in a lot of ways, and then he the scene with the bottle of kids' tears he yeah. says, and then pours it like salad dressing on top of this salad of paper, yeah. and proceeds to eat it, and then vomits it up, and the vomit goes goes through too. As I went, this is highly imaginative and very disturbing and terrifying. In a way, to me, the previous movie just wasn't at all. Okay. Uh, like, it, and again, it was sort of an interesting exploration of what the day-to-day business of hell might look like. Yeah. Um, I did, yeah, there, it, there's almost like there's a mini film at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Uh, when we see how these how these characters work, how the Cenobites work. I, I do like the other character with all the sort of different scars and whatnot. They seem like they were trying something different. Yeah. And we're now at the 10th film where they've tried a lot of things different and most of them don't work, this one did. Yes, the serial killer storyline has been done to death, and we are not surprised when, shocker, Mm -hmm. spoiler, one of the cops investigating the the actual crimes is the killer himself, and even when he turns on both his brother, the other officer, and the female officer, Kel Supreze. Yeah. Um, but, and I really hate it when a movie thinks it's blowing your mind with a yeah, twist, yeah. and it's not. Like, yeah. that, to me, is a big mark against the movie. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I and I am in I'm in danger of overselling this movie because it's not like it's a bad movie, folks. Yeah, it's a bad movie. Um, but I I found all of the Cenobites interesting. I did like the fact that the actor was trying something new, but it's still Pinhead. You know, his voice was back to being that more grainy. It'd been. Uh, messed with it almost. Paul T. Taylor is playing Pinhead for the record yeah, it, in this one. It's almost like it's auto tuned a little bit. He does again feel cut into the movie. There's a lot of scenes where he's just sitting, listening, in a chair, listening to what's going on, and they yeah. cut to his face, and then they cut away from him. It's kind of strange. Um, yeah, it is. Well, I mean, we find there's more to this universe. We're learning more about it, and that the Cenobites can sit and listen to the beings on Earth. That I found interesting. I, I like the fact that they do sort of acknowledge that angels do exist and God does exist. Um, There's a heaven version of a Cenobite, presumably then? Yeah, like this this angel shows up and goes, no. And I like, the, I like some of the politics of the movie, I guess, where heaven sees this serial killer, the one that's reenacting the Ten Commandments, doing God's work. Yeah, I had real problems with that, too. Really? <laughs> I thought that was kind of ridiculous, right? Okay. The two that were having the affair... Okay. They get torn apart. Their flesh is rendered from the body, and they're, yeah. they're dragged off to hell. Yeah. The serial killer gets, for a moment, yeah. let off the hook. Yeah. I, it's immediately undone. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. But that deal being brokered just didn't... I, I agree that they're going to hell because they're having an affair. That and seems... he's not because he's a mass murderer. <laughs> yeah. That, I, okay, yeah. There's degrees to punishment. There's no math to that. Yeah, no. I they shouldn't have gone to hell no. for for the affair. Like I thought it was like really. Yeah, that's kind of harsh. I did forget that. Um, I did find it interesting that the movie wanted us. Well, heaven is kind of being faulty because because here is this serial killer that is. Doing God's work in a lot of ways. Heavens is as fucked up as hell, which is kind of a bold idea to yeah. put forth. Um, I get that. I think it was just maybe a little wonky in the execution. I found that interesting. And I do. And let's talk about that ending, I guess. <laughs> um, they decide to punish Pinhead, even though he's he's been warned yeah. that if you do this, and he kills an angel in the yeah. process, that you're going to experience your own hell, in which the auditor says, but... You know, maybe there is a hell for us, and that's you know us going back to Earth. And surprise, surprise, God is made human again. Everything that he had is taken from him. Yeah, and he's just a normal human being, and he's going to be living on the street as a poor person, and he's going to experience a lot of misery. Yeah, you know, he won't be tasting the things of the flesh. He won't be, you know, falling under that hedonistic lifestyle. He he doesn't have any of the power that he once wielded. Yeah. Um, but again, I, it's not like we were necessarily ever cheering for Pinhead. And I will say, since this will serve as at least the final chapter to this wing of Hellraiser, yeah. we are getting more Hellraiser, but they're kind of rebooting it. Yeah. Um, well, they're it, staying to more to the, to the original text in a lot of ways. Yeah. But uh, I think this closes the door on, on this, this first 10 Hellraisers. Yeah. We're going to be entering a new era of Hellraiser going forward here. Yeah. And in this chain, at least there's a closing point. For yeah. Pinhead. Pinhead is undone. He is made mortal again. Yeah. And that is to him probably a worse face fate than death. I've never like I've never really hated Pinhead. Just for the fact that really the Cenobites are just doing their job. I think they enjoy their job. Yeah. 
That's the difference. Yeah, but he's not like Michael Myers or Jason or um, the killer from Saw, um, where they're actively going out of their way and enjoying killing people. Like, that's their prime, you know, or prime function. Yeah. Where Pinhead and the Cenobites are... You know, they're just part of the cog in the wheel of hell. They're they're, they're just doing their job. Yeah. So I can't quite. I don't. I, I fear them because they're powerful and evil, and they can. Well, they're powerful and they do really brutal stuff. But usually, it's to the worst of the worst of humanity. They're well, they're cleaning up. I think up. there's an assumption that if you're in the same room with a cetabite, you yeah. just deserve it. And that's only sometimes true, but that definitely seems to be how they treat the world. You know, yeah. if you're here, there's probably a reason for it, and you're going to deserve and eventually enjoy what's coming to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying they don't make mistakes. Yeah. Like you know, once again, we can we can come back to the couple that are having the affair. Yeah. Um, although, but I, again, I I don't know that I. I'm not cheering for him either, I guess. Yeah. I don't hate him, but I guess I, I'm not cheering for him. Usually, you know, I'm sympathetic to the people who are facing an eternity of torment. <laughs> I've always admired their power. Yeah. You know, um, they like they are kind of, these are the people that you do not fuck with. Um, you, do so at your peril. Yeah. And it's not like they don't make deals. Like, the, even though they wanted Kirsty, they were honorable. Yeah. In, in the deals they made. Like, that's something that you couldn't do with Michael or Jason. No reasoning. Uh, or Jigsaw. It's no reasoning. These ones, like, they have a code that they stick by. Yeah. So, that, that I find that admirable. Like, the, the Predator has the same thing. Like, just, there's certain things it won't do. Because it has a code. It's not going to kill you if you're not armed. And it's not going to kill a pregnant woman. It's yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with the Cenobites in other ways. There is a code to them. So I admire, I am fearful and and admire them at just their sheer power and their and the fact that they've crossed dimensions after dimensions. Yeah, um, I'm sure you must have caught Heather Langenkamp briefly. She's a landlady. Yeah, it seems weird. Like if you're going to do a cameo with Heather Langenkamp and prominently sort of put her name in your in the in the list, that yeah, maybe like do something with her. If not, like have her be evil or have her be a victim. Yeah, do something with her. Yeah, it's just so it's so it's such a not role. Um, and also this is not her fault. She's still very lovely and a capable actress, but she's quite weathered. It made me feel old thinking how Nancy has. Aged so much. Well, 1984 was a long time ago. She's it in her seems. 50s, dude. Yeah, she's yeah. in her 50s. I mean, I think the makeup made her a little bit haggard as well. They um, were playing into it a bit, but uh, yeah. she's actually quite the FX artist now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I just figure like if I, if I'm gonna have like this iconic horror figure in my movie, yeah, it's like you just had her there for the sake of having her there. They yeah. did a weirdly similar thing in the House of the Devil. Yeah, um, with uh, what's her name. <laughs> God, D. Wallace. Yes, retired folks. Sorry, yeah, D. Wallace does a walkthrough of this house with the main character at the beginning of the movie. She's yeah. the landlord of the house, and then we never see her again. You kept on thinking that she's going to show up later as one of the Satanists, or like that there was going to be something. But no, that was it. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess it's nice to see her, but if you're going to use these people, use these people. Yeah, but I mean, the same argument can be made with a lot of horror films. Like H. Two O has, you know, you know, Janet Lee. Janet Lee, you know. And they even have her car from Psycho in it. So it's one of those, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It didn't bother me. It was that 90s winking time. Yeah. 
it didn't bother me as much. I had forgotten that she was in it. Like the movie ended, and, I, and the the end credits went up, and Heather Langenkamp. Where was she at this again? Oh yeah. So I can also see what you're saying. Uh, it is kind of a nothing scene. There, there she is. I mean, yeah. that that's it. There, yeah. there's Heather Langenkamp. Great. Yeah. Next scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this to, to bring it kind of all in because I do think we're getting to the end of Probably, uh, yeah. <laughs> of judgment. Once again, like I, I read the reviews and the internet made me want to hate, hate, hate this movie. No, and I, I didn't. And I was so impressed with John Gulager. 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 Yeah, he might be a better actor than director. Um, kind of. Um, <laughs> he did creep me the fuck out along with those women. Yeah. Um, and when no. he vomits up the like, he. I, I think I would say that I actually really like about a third of the movie. Yeah. And then. There's another third of the movie that is adequate, and then there's another third of the movie that I don't like at all. No. <laughs> so I'm kind of really this is a tough one for me. Right. I I'm impressed at how much he's improved in my measure from the previous entry. Yeah, and I I like sort of that he got really deep into the Cenobites, but yeah, that police procedural thing. It's is, generic. It's terrible. Yeah, it's generic, and so, we and it's. You got fresh in one corner, yeah. juxtaposed with really stale, and yeah. together it's not delicious. We've had three Hellraiser movies involving like cops and serial killers yeah. in a lot of ways, so we've been here. It's been here recently, yeah. so yeah, that that seems sort of meh. But there was enough there that I went, okay, it's different enough, and. Showing you know hell and the different demons, if you will, the S and M is kind of gone. Yeah, like that that theme. The which kink is sort of gone. It's it's yeah, like the sex is really really dirty and not like nihilistic and. The last few movies, this yeah, even back to Hell World, there there was not sexy movies anymore yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, there was sex in them, but they weren't sexy. Yeah, um, so it does. You could argue it does feel like a seven ripoff in some sort of ways, um, but I guess I was just surprised by the Cenobites yeah. and how and how they were executed. And I went, you know what, good on them. Yeah. And again, this is chapter ten. It's got to be hard to try to, to to kick down a new door, and they kind of did. Yep. Mr. Lee Beckman, mm. it's been a journey. Yep. Here we sit, full of turkey. Oh. <laughs> we are like in turkey comatose it's, right now. It's sleepy time. It's, it's badly sleepy time. Is it a trifectaphane? Like, what is the, what is tryptophane. The, tryptophane, the chemical in turkeys that 
makes you want to like do your belt. And I've just... actually heard that's a misnomer. It's actually yeah. largely due to a calorie crash. It's as much to do with the potatoes and gravy and just the amount of food you take in. I'm sure. I guess in order to get a much enough tryptophan in your system to really fuck you up, you'd have no. to eat like two turkeys by yourself. Oh, I'm sure it's the truth. <laughs> um, but truth, Fun fact. Yeah. Truth be told, though, I have eaten an insanely amount of food. <laughs> Every year I tell myself, you know what? Cut back, Beckman. Cut back. You're... you're your COVID baby is getting bigger and bigger, and your metabolism is just non-existent. And yet again, I make the wrong decision. Well, it's been a, about three months since we started the project, and yep. we're finishing this up. It was a very Hellraiser Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for doing this. Hey, man, thank you. Another for... franchise under the belt. I think before we do the ranking, just want to get into the just general discussion of it, sort of comparing it to the other series. Yeah. I have to say, like... The peaks and valleys, though they are, are there, are less extreme than I'm used to. Yeah. In a weird way, as much as I've been picking on the Hellraiser series, it's more consistent than maybe it's given credit. Yeah. Um, the problem is, like we say, there's a bunch of movies that are just sort of masquerading as Hellraiser movies. Yes. But they work enough in their own right that, yeah. the, that like... The movies kind of have enough different to them that I, I didn't feel the fatigue as much. Okay. At least until the last, it was sort of the last leg of the journey where I was starting to get ready to <laughs> okay. say goodbye to Pinhead and the gang. But okay. by any metric, 10 movies is it's a long journey. It is. It is. It's strange because these movies aren't a lot of fun. <laughs> They're not fun like the Friday the 13th and even to a lesser extent the Halloween Although, I guess, explain to me that, you know, the Jigsaw, the Saw franchise, because yeah. those are even less fun. The Hellraiser movies are really ugly. Yeah. They, they are. Like, they're, de- they're dealing with... Punishment. Yeah. And, and, and S&M, uh, really, like, dark, dark stuff. So the fact that it made ten movies... It, speaks to something usually even our protagonists are flawed and evil it's not yeah. even just the cenobites right yeah so. well i don't think they're like they're, they're the real villains of the piece with the exception of maybe number three mm-hmm. where penhead you know becomes a slasher and, and it's just it's evil penhead um so it's I'm, I'm i'm sort of surprised that it's gone this far and we are now sort of they finished filming the new hellraiser apparently uh, where they're, they're returning to the original text and they're going to explore more... They're going to have more of the telltale heart and Penhead will be a woman like it is in the, in the original text. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've always admired the imagination, but that's Clive Barker. Yeah. Like, just from the design of the uh, of the Cenobites, the creatures, to the story itself, I, I like a good Faustian tale. So that's He basically the... set the stage and gave out all the props and then... Each individual storyteller kind of used those props to tell their own versions. Yeah. So, when this movie does have its valleys, though, I do sort of start to spit. Yeah, there's two movies in this uh, in this series, Bloodline and Hellworld, and shockingly, they're near the bottom. What? <laughs> yeah, where I went, no, <laughs> no, and no. Yeah. So. It's it's a strange series. It's not like the Leprechaun series where you know they're made. You're made to laugh and giggle at them. Yeah. Same with Friday the Thirteenth. I think to some extent the Halloween series, the later entries, stupid as they are, there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge humor to them. 
Um, but I do think the Halloween, some of the Halloween uh, the sequels are actually like they're pretty decent movies. Where once we get past the second one, these are different shades of shit. You think so? I think so. Yeah. So I, I am sort of surprised that it's lasted this long, but I don't know. Like I, I guess I understand what you're saying, but to me, I just maybe it's just a different flavor of the meal. Uh, yeah. To me, that's sort of how I felt about the Leprechaun franchise. They were yeah. just different kinds of bad each time. Yeah. For me, this was like it was everybody was trying to do their version of a Clyde Barker movie yeah. to varying degrees of success. Yeah. But I like how straight faced they were. You said a similar thing about the Halloween franchise when we talked about that. Yeah. Very rarely in that franchise does it wink. Yeah. And to its benefit. Same thing with this. The second someone jokes at the Cenobites or makes yeah. a punchline out of the nails in Penhead's head. Yeah. No, it yeah. doesn't work. No, and like, and Pinhead's not wise cracking it, no. which thank God. What was your least favorite of these ten Hellraiser movies, and why? Well, it shouldn't shock you, but I have Hellraiser Hellworld at number ten, and I and I'm saying this now. We are so not going to match. Well, That's okay. Not so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I like I really started to spit with the whole retconning no the movies the, the what came before it is all not real it, it just it just gets me right there and then it, it just it was vanilla like i never thought i would be bored by a hellraiser movie and it i i, I had to see this in chunks yeah. so it, it 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 ranged from being boring to just kind of annoying with certain scenes and maybe it was just the, like the, the, it was so like I'd seen this story so many times that I guess the annoyances of it just came out tenfold. Um, and I mean, Lance Henriksen, man, I'm never bored with Lance Henriksen, <laughs> and I got bored with Lance, and it's not his fault. It, it, it's the screenplay. Hey, I defended Lance Henriksen too, but you look up his IMDb; he's got some real bad movies. Yeah, in there. <laughs> yeah. So, Hellraiser: Hellworld is number ten. Number nine, I have Hellraiser Bloodline. Um, no, to the space. No. And I, I know that the whole suspension of disbelief, this is a whole series where it's suspension of disbelief with, you know, with boxes and, you know, S&M creatures. I get that. But it just felt like it was jumping the shark with space. Like, I just know. And the story is so incoherent I, 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 it got a little confusing. What storyline are we at? Or the history or whatnot? Is it connected? Is it an anthology? Yeah. What are we doing? It did feel... It's a shocker that there were two directors to this movie. What? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when your movie's bad enough and the storyline's, you know, incoherent to begin with, and then you've got the whole space thing, I just, like, no. Yeah. No. No. So at number nine, I have Hellraiser Bloodline. Number eight, I have Hellraiser Revelations. Um, I agree with a lot of things that you're saying. Like, you know, if I stopped and I thought about it, there'd be even more things that just didn't make sense. But I kind of like the fact that it was really kind of contained in the one house. Some of the acting, especially the sister, the, yeah. sister, bleh, the sister is uneven. I did like kind of like some of the parents. Um, you could accuse them of being like, like they're, they're, they're so wealthy that they're missing certain kind of human cues i guess yeah. but they didn't deserve the stuff that happens to them like there's some dude survives a shotgun blast to the stomach for like a third of the movie yes which is kind of strange to me too. yeah 
Yeah, no. And he, like his wound is clearly like it's late. It's a hole in his body. Like he should be bleeding out pretty rapidly. Two minutes and he should have been dead. If that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's still bad. Yeah. But not as bad as everyone has made it out to be. Okay. Uh, so I have number eight, Hellraiser Revelations. Uh, number seven, I have Hellraiser Debtor. I mean, it's got, you know, rank and review Cole Hauser winner Carrie Werher, and I'm, you know, kudos to her. Um, meh. Meh. Hellraiser Debtor. Uh, number six, I have Hellraiser Judgment. Yes, it doesn't have Doug Bradley, but there was enough there. And once again, uh, Song of Clue Gallery, Gular, Gulag. We what need, you said. Yeah. Gulager or Gallagher, one of those things. Anyways, and I should look this up, and I feel like I'm dropping the ball. But um, I just found him really creepy, everything that he did. So I was impressed enough to have Hellraiser Judgment at number six. Number five, Hellraiser Inferno. Um, it, 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 I liked what it was trying that was new in a lot of ways. It was getting away from Clive Barker's story and it had a Jacob's Ladder feel. Uh, number four was Hellraiser Hellseeker. It was good to see the lead act, uh, actor from Hellraiser come back again. Kirsty. And I did kind of like the ending where she's finally damned. I mean, she's not... It took f- f- three movies, but she's finally corrupted by the Cenobites. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of found that kind of terrifying in a lot of ways. So I, 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 I liked it th- there. So I had Inferno. Number four was Hellseeker. Uh, number three, then it's Hellraiser 3. Number two is Hellraiser 2. And then without, you know, shocker, the original Hellraiser is my, I feel like it's the best one. It's the classic. I'm ashamed that I kept that off, the 1980, <laughs> best of the horror 80s. Oh, yeah? Um, if you had that to take back? You there'd, might... there'd be a couple things I'd fix. Yeah. And that would be one of them. Because it's classic. Yeah. And the turkey hits again. Ugh. So... I think you'll find that the later into the list that we get, the closer our lists become. Okay. But even in the places that we flipped around, I don't think we're, like, super, super different. Yeah. I think the one movie that we might closest to just disagree with is, is Revelations. Is okay. Like, as far as I'm concerned, everybody said it was, like, the worst, and to me it did live up to the hype. Like, okay. I, I, I really didn't connect to it at all, so I had to put that one at the bottom. Okay. And congratulations to outsucking an Alan Smithy film. <laughs> Bloodlines, the uh, Hellraiser Bloodlines, which is the fourth chapter, does make ninth position. And if you're going to mix genres or you're going to mix kind of storylines or vibes, you should ask yourself, what about these things complement each other? Or what about these things can I help to sharpen the other? Yeah. And if the answer is nothing, you should just not move forward. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. like, nobody answered any of these questions. And anything we learned more about the creator of the Lament configuration was neither scary nor particularly interesting to me. Yeah. So, no thanks. Yeah. It's weird, though, because in one way you want to co- sort of congratulate a movie that's ambitious. It's set in all different periods. It's, like, really trying to, like, expand the lore of Hellraiser, but... I just think it steps on a rake. It just kind of embarrasses itself. Why space? That's yeah. that's the first question. All the way in eighth place is where I put Hell World. All right. <laughs> um, again, 
this is the one of the ones that I enjoy because I was laughing at it. And that's not typically what I search out when I'm looking for these movies. But I'm just going to admit that I did enjoy laughing at the movie to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And the slasher aesthetic was kind of fun enough. Like seeing the Cenobites playing that role was different. And the twist was maybe stupid, but... I guess effective in that I didn't I didn't see it coming so uh, I feel like I was defending it but I'm defending a bad movie yeah, <laughs> you guys yeah. so uh, then I go to Judgment so that's sorry in seventh position the tenth Hellraiser movie Judgment mm-hmm. um, and again the bookending materials for me work that middle is just a black hole of derivative shit. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, it kind of sinks the stuff that's really working for the movie for yeah. me. So, there it is. Um, then to the sixth, I think, place. I keep on losing track where I am. Deader. Uh, I think the, I like that movie a lot to do with Carrie Wurz committing to the performance. Yeah. And uh, how she's dealing with this really tough... When the movie works best, it's, I think, because of her choices. Yeah. And yeah. so... Uh, I. Big, big ups for that. Uh, fifth position, I'm going with Hellseeker. Um, I did like seeing the return of... This is the one with Kirstie, right? Oh my yes, Hellseeker. Yeah. Sorry. See, this is why I always get confused. I, I did like seeing the return of Kirstie, yeah. and I do like the that uh, Dean Winters is a central actor, mm-hmm. um, and that it's more successfully, even though they were still copy-pasting, I think this most successfully of the fake Hellraiser movies incorporates the Hellraiser lore into it. Yeah. So points for that. Uh, Inferno, which is the Craig Schaefer, sort of Jacob's Ladder one. Yeah. It, it, it just has all these moments that kind of are surprisingly better than you expect from the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, although I realized quite early that the character was damned and that where the movie was going, yeah. the ride is interesting enough. So yeah. there it is. And yes, in third place, we get to the very rocky, very dated, but enjoyable hell on earth yeah with the weird art project and the very sort of like i say sweaty 90s sort of vibe to it Mm -hmm. the second will be hellbound i liked seeing the world of hell better explored and hellraiser with a budget and a movie about the cenobites which is what we wanted to see with the further eight movies they're like really we wanted hell bound to be yeah the template for all of the sequels as far as i was concerned yeah um but to their credit, they figured we've made Hellbound. Let's make something else. And yeah, I think I think this would have been one of the few cases where I would have been really cross with you if for some reason Hellraiser wasn't at the top of the list. Yeah, because clearly it it belongs there. It, it's an actually scary, effective, yeah, uh, gross movie, and it's it's held its form pretty well, even though it's low budget and it's quite old now. Yeah, I I mean it is being remade and reimagined, but it's not out of necessity. It totally, totally stands up. Oh, no. Like, that movie still looks good today. Yeah. Still looks good today. Good effects, decent acting, and just an original, creepy world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Clive Barker. And uh, I'm surprised at how much I like the Hellraiser franchise, while at the same time admitting there's, there's some low lows. Yeah, but it's still Clive Barker and it's still pretty good. But again, I don't remember raging the way I would rage against, say, like, Freddy's Dead 
or resurrection. <laughs> we talked about the, the Halloween franchise. It's like I got mad at a couple of the movies, but I never got furious. You know. Well, I think really only one to me really shot the bed, right? And it's the one that you kind of enjoyed that I laughed that at. I laughed at, and that's Hell World. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've already talked about why I didn't like it, so we don't need to go through. Um, happy Thanksgiving, dude. Happy Thanksgiving. There will be more Hellraiser, but this closes the chapter. And so ended the lesson on the Hellraiser franchise. I am, of course, aware that there's an HBO Hellraiser series and that there will be more hell in our future. But I think Mr. Beckman and I did a very decent job of running down the entire Hellraiser motion picture series. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you have feedback for me. And I hope you'll send me that feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. I would love to direct you to the website, rankinreview.ca, where you can get all of the episodes and you can, you know, just be closer to the show. Um, please, please, please tell that other movie nerd in your life about Rank and Review. And please keep on listening to the show. We've got good stuff in the future. We've got some Star Wars episodes on the horizon. We've got another Marvel episode on the horizon. And lots more thrills and chills from Rank and Review. As of listening to this show just now, you've become my friend. Hello, friend. Every other Wednesday, we can do this all again. <laughs>